click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time with joe mcclain and emily alcaraz praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain so good to be on with you this morning good morning to you praise be to god we have a great show lined up for you this morning Dr. Alan Keyes, former ambassador to the United Nations, served in the uh, State Department Foreign Service, three-time presidential nomination, or nominee rather, or candidate rather, is going to be our guest today in our uh, guest segment later in the show. Looking forward to that. It's a deeply divided country. Dr. Keyes is going to talk about the lust for power and control that seems to be growing more and more these days. And maybe what we can think and do about that from a Catholic perspective, Dr. Alan Keyes will be our guest. Uh, we're going to have a, a full lineup today. We're so very excited about it. Uh, of course, Dr. Keyes is a great guest. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. The What's Concerning Us section, there's a story coming out of Connecticut, the old, the old effort to try to put a uh, control on the pro-life pregnancy clinics is back. We thought that went away with President Obama, the end of President Obama's term in the White House, but that is uh, obviously back now, and Connecticut is trying to trying to put the clamp down on pro-life pregnancy clinics there, and I'm sure we'll see it in other, other states in the country as well. We'll be talking about that in the What's Concerning Us section. And of course, uh, there's now at least 501 deaths related to the COVID vaccine. We'll talk about that as well out of a site, uh, LifeSite News uh, article. That plus so much more. Uh, our game show is going to be in the next hour, the ChooseLife.com sponsor this week. We're very excited about that. And so much more. There's a lot to get into today, and the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Praise God. I'm alive. I'm excited to talk about uh, talk to Alan Keyes today. Yeah, me too. He's a... Uh one of our best guests, I'd say, one of our biggest names, so he's really excited. He's pretty big. Um, yeah. uh, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. Now, we are live streaming as well, not only across the Station of the Cross radio network and the Guadalupe radio network. We're, we're very happy that you're part of our program today. Uh, but you can also join us live video stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you're hanging out with us today, uh, let us know where you're from. Uh, maybe give us a little shout-out in the comments there. We'd love to see you and acknowledge you there as well. But while you're there, make sure you like, subscribe, and share. Help us to spread the Catholic Drive Time family. We'd be very grateful to you. Uh, so let's jump into our program this morning. A lot to get to, as we said. Let us pray for your intentions, dear listener. Whatever your Whatever's on your heart, whatever your needs are for your family, we are going to be including those prayers as along with ours. I'm praying for our team here, our equipment, our broadcast, our radio apostolates at the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, and asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to whisper these intentions into the ear of her Son, that He may draw us ever so more closely into His most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection implored Thy help or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. 
The National Guard presence in the Capitol cost American taxpayers $483 million. That figure covers the National Guard troop presence from January 6th when federal authorities first requested them through mid-March when 5,000 National Guard members are slated to be in Washington, D.C. The Pentagon authorized 7,000 on January 6th and then 19,000 more for the inauguration of President Joe Biden on January 20th. The number reduced to 7,000 by the end of January and is further expected to reduce to 5,000 by mid-March. Republican lawmakers have demanded to know why the National Guard is still in Washington. The National Guard troops' presence caused a scandal after a National Guard unit protecting the Capitol building was reportedly told to take their breaks in a parking garage. Enrollment at Catholic schools this academic year has seen its largest drop in nearly half a century, according to a new report. A data brief of the National Catholic Educational Association showed that enrollment at Catholic schools was down 6.4% for the 2020-2021 school year, the biggest percentage drop in enrollment since 1973. The overall number of students at Catholic schools declined by more than 110,000 for the present academic year, and more than 200 schools have closed after the previous school year. These figures were included in the NCEA's report, Catholic School Enrollment and School Closures Post-COVID-19, published on February 8th. A large share of this decline was due to enrollment attrition at pre-K schools. The drop in enrollment amid the COVID-19 pandemic far outpaces the declines that followed the church's 2002 clergy sex abuse crisis and the 2008 financial crisis. 140 people are still missing after a flood disaster in India. The flood was caused when a portion of Nanda Devi Glacier snapped off on Sunday morning, releasing water trapped behind it and forcing the evacuation of many villages along the banks of the local rivers. A hydroelectric plant on the Alaknanda was destroyed and a plant under construction on the Daliganga was damaged. At least 42 workers were trapped in two tunnels at the Daliganga project. 12 were rescued from one of the tunnels, while at least 30 others remained stranded inside the other. And the U.S. bishops have adjusted a liturgical translation following concerns from the Congregation for Divine Worship. The U.S. Bishops' Conference last week decreed that in the translation of the conclusion of collects in the Roman Missal, one is to be omitted before God. The, conclu- the conclusions will now read, God forever and ever. The decision follows a letter sent in 2020 by Robert Cardinal Seurat, Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, addressing a concern about the English translation. Until now, in the conclusions to Collex, the Latin words Deus per omnia secula seculorum have been rendered in English as one God forever and ever. The committee's notes said that Cardinal Seurat had observed that there is no mention of one in the Latin, and Deus in the Latin text refers to Christ. And the English hand missiles that preceded Vatican II reflected the corrected translation. However, when the post-conciliar texts were published in English, the word one was added. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Luis Magana Servin, pray for us. Born on the 24th of August, 1902 in Arandas, in Mexico, 
He was a lifelong layman in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara, an active member of the Catholic Association of Mexican Youth, a member of the Arch Fraternity of the Night of Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and of Our Lady of Guadalupe Association of Tradesmen in his parish. He grew up helping in his father's family leather tannery and was a baseball fan. You gotta love that little detail. He was a baseball fan. He married Elvira on the 6th of January, 1926, and they had a son named Gilbert and they had another child on the way. But on the 9th of February, 1928, in the persecutions of the Mexican Revolution, troops were were ordered to arrest Luis as a Cristero, a man who was fighting for religious freedom in Mexico at the time. Well, his hometown had become the hotbed of resistance there, and soldiers came to in and arrest many in his town, he was not there at the time. Blessed Luis Magana Servin was uh, away, and he, they arrested his brother instead. And upon hearing this news, he turned himself in to the governor, and he was allowed to trade places, but he was given the sentence of death. As I said, his wife was pregnant at the time with her daughter, Maria, who would not be born until after their father was executed. Standing in front of, in front of the firing squad at 3 p.m. on the 9th of February, 1928, Blessed Luis Magana Servin said this to the soldiers, Soldiers who are going to shoot me, I want to tell you that from this moment I pardon you, and I promise that on arriving in the presence of God, you are the first ones for whom I will intercede. Long live Christ the King and Our Lady of Guadalupe. They shot him to death. Pope Benedict XVI would beatify him on the 20th of November, 2005. Blessed Luis Magana Servin, pray for us. The gospel comes to you from Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him. Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well have have you set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition? For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, If someone says to father or mother, Any support you might have had from me is korban, meaning dedicated to God. You allow him to do nothing more for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many such things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love how Jesus 
never dialogues with the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees. There's no real dialogue that happens, you know. All of the talk of needing for dialogue. Well, we do need dialogue. I do agree. However, when it comes to Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the Herodians, there's never a dialogue. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. But uh, also look at how in Mark's gospel, Mark is explaining things. It's obviously, uh, he's talking to an audience that is not Jewish, not Hebrew, does not understand what these traditions mean or what their nuance here, here is. So he's explaining them. And as the tradition of our church tells us, and even uh, if you go to uh, the Miratorium Fragment from about 150 AD, you see Mark is uh, written by Mark. It's, it's basically St. Peter's Gospel. It's whatever he preached, Mark wrote down. And so we see here that Peter was preaching in Rome to mostly non-Jews. And so we see this uh, this explanation, which I think is very, very cool, artifact coming to us from the gospel. But notice that Jesus does not condemn all human traditions. There's a nuance here that is important to us. Many times I've heard non-Catholics say, see, this gospel proves that the traditions of men are all bad. Well, not all of them, just this one for sure. And there are others that are, we could say are probably bad. But in this case, Jesus isn't condemning all traditions, but he's certainly condemning this one, the practice of the Pharisees to give over their money to the temple to say, wash their hands and say, sorry, mom and dad, can't help you. I know you're getting old, but you're on your own. I gave all my money to the temple. So sorry. See, Jesus is pointing out their hypocrisy. You wash your hands, but you pay no attention to what's in your heart. That is the bigger point that we should focus on and take to heart for ourselves and our own lives. And this is an opportunity for us to, to hold fast as to the traditions, as St. Saint Paul would tell us in his Second Thessalonians, to hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on to you by word of mouth or by letter, as he says there. And Jesus, in the previous chapter, even says, uh, even had the tassels on his cloak. So we know that he adheres to some traditions, especially those commanded by God in Numbers 15. And, and then he points out the hypocrisy of others. So let us hold fast to the traditions, but let's pay attention what's in our heart more than our dirty little hands. Adrian, Emily? Yeah, it's important to note that the tradition that Jesus is calling out is actually at odds with a previous tradition. So there has to be a continuity. And so Jesus is not saying tradition is bad. He's saying you guys have taken this tradition out of context so that it fits your agenda and is at odds with what we God has uh, taught eternally from the very beginning. So that's my observation. Adrian, do you have anything to add? I do, but we have... Uh 15 seconds. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> All right, don't go anywhere. After this break, we'll come back with the What's Concerning Us section. Of course, uh, that, that the new legislation in Connecticut that would attempt to limit pro-life pregnancy clinics is really frustrating to me. We'll talk about that, plus so much more in the What's Concerning Us. But Dr. Alan Keyes will be our guest coming up in just a little while. We'll be right back. Like they do many other Marian dogmas, Protestants reject Mary as the mother of God because they don't think it's scriptural. But if there's any Marian dogma that's biblical, it's Mary the mother of God. Consider Luke 143, where Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord. As any Bible student knows, Lord is the title that the Jews used for Yahweh. But Protestants object that Lord can also be used for an earthly ruler. Although this is true, 
I think the context suggests the divine usage. The three times the word is used before verse 43, verses 28, 32, and 38, and the three times it's used after verse 43, verses 46, 58, and 68, it's used in reference to Almighty God. So does the Bible teach Mary is the mother of God? You bet it does. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order. And not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, there's several stories in the What's Concerning Us section here that I'd like to bring up. I'm sure Emily and Adrian have others. But coming up in, I don't know, 17 minutes or so, 20 minutes maybe, uh, Dr. Alan Keyes will be our guest. He is a, uh, three times he ran for President of the United States. He was ambassador to the UN under Ronald Reagan, uh, has a doctoral degree from Harvard. He's a practicing Catholic, and he's going to have a lot to say. But we live in a deeply divided country, and it seems that the, uh, the power grab, the lust for power and control is growing more and more every day. So we'll have that conversation with Dr. Alan Keyes uh, shortly here on Catholic Drive Time, so I hope you'll stick around for that. But in the What's Concerning Us, I saw this article out of Breitbart News, Breitbart.com. says, Connecticut Democrats again attempt to regulate deceptive pro-life pregnancy centers. Now, this was a common thing under President Obama and his administration, and it seems to be back. I'll read a little bit, but we'll link to all of these stories uh, on our Facebook side, on both the Catholic Drive Time, GRN Online, as well as the Station of the Cross Facebook pages. I encourage you to find the links there. But it says, Connecticut Democrats are intent on attempting to regulate faith-based pregnancy centers with another bill that essentially accuses the pro-life centers of trying to deceive women about the services they provide. The legislature's public health committee is holding a public hearing on Wednesday. An act concerning deceptive advertising practices of limited services uh, pregnancy centers, a measure that pro-life leaders in the state defeated for the last three years. Essentially, here's the deal. The measure would give the Connecticut Attorney General the authority to take action against centers claimed to be luring women in with deceptive ads. Quote, if a pregnant woman is delayed in learning her options, it can contribute to the loss of safer methods as well as the inability to terminate a pregnancy altogether, unquote, Attorney General William Tong said when the bill was raised in 2019. Now, the issue here is they claim that these pregnancy life centers will mislead these women and that will, that will make it harder for the abortion to take place. This is an attempt to... I mean, there was, I think even in here in the state of Texas, they were trying to make it so that pregnancy clinics had to post advertisements for the local abortion mill on a publicly uh, available board within the clinic. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but I believe that was the case. That's absurd. Absolutely absurd. They're, the only choice that they really want to give is the abortion choice rather than having these clinics 
with these, inc- these incredible uh, opportunities to help these women in the situation they're in, to walk with them, not only up to birth, but even after birth, which is a common argument against them, but uh, one that has been de- debunked many, many times. These organizations help these ladies constantly, even after birth. I mean, uh, our own uh, Tracy Kamara has said this many times in her own work, but we've seen it all over the country. So I encourage you to read this article and, uh, and be on the lookout. Not only maybe pray and, and see what you can do to help in this particular case, but also I would say be on the lookout for what's happening in your state because this could come back, and if we're not paying attention, I'm sure many of our pro-life organizations are, if we're not paying attention, this could be, uh, become a bigger fight for all of us. So that's the Connecticut Democrats uh, trying to regulate deceptive, pro, quote, <laughs> deceptive pro-life pregnancy centers. Um, another story that concerned me, and I'll only mention briefly here, is the red flag laws. This comes to us from the National File, nationalfile.com. Again, we'll link to the stories on the Facebook pages. It says, red, red flag law, Supreme Court to decide whether police can enter your house, seize your guns without a warrant. Now, the Fourth Amendment uh, to the Constitution uh, is supposed to protect our homes from illegal searches and seizures. But there's a little bitty, uh, there's like a little loophole in this. And this case is looking at whether or not they could expand that loophole making it even easier for police officers to confiscate your weapons in your house without a warrant. And that could be very concerning. Now, there, is, there, are, there are exceptions, and this uh, article points those exceptions out, but it looks as though there's going to be an expansion to these exceptions. And again, it comes down to, well, then who gets to be the judge? And, uh, and then at that point, is the Fourth Amendment still actually protecting our rights? That, that becomes uh, a questionable Questionable situation. So I'll link to this article as well and encourage you to read that. Our uh, rights seem to be very much under attack these days. Emily, Adrian, any before I move on to other stories that I'm interested in, do you guys have anything on your radar? Yeah. I'm still concerned about the story we reported on yesterday, which is the um, that Pope Francis has appointed a sister to the, um, the synodal, um, the synod of bishops, which... The, the same article from Catholic News Agency also added that this this is against canon law. So I'm a little confused as to how that works. Um, but this article from, I've got an article here from NBC News that says the Pope has also elected women to, uh, a woman to become the first promoter of justice in the Vatican. And he's also promoted women, appointed women to the post of Deputy Foreign Minister, Director of the Vatican Museums, and Deputy Head of the Vatican Press Office. So it seems like to be, this is a very pointed move on the Holy Father's part. And I'm just a little concerned because we see the church in Germany is literally like the bishops there, the bishops' conferences in Germany, and is literally calling for female ordination. And so I don't see how this is like, I feel like we should be being a little more careful about the slippery slope here. But anyway... Adrian? Yeah, this also concerns me. This was what I was going to bring up, and now mm-hmm. that you brought it up, it's it's the can of worms. And it's really scary. It's very scary. This is this is a big deal. I think we are overlooking this. A lot of people are overlooking it, and the reason why we're overlooking it is because they have. Uh, there's been so little uh, steps that have been taken over the years that have built up to this point where uh, now uh, the average parish is uh, has. 
women running everything. They have the women lectors, women distributing communion, women uh, as secretaries to the priest, women running the finances. And so just uh, giving them a higher title has now just everybody is like, oh, well, no big deal. Um, so I think this is definitely something that needs to be focused on. And uh, I'm definitely going to we're going to be looking for guests to talk about this because this is very important. But the two things, two stories I wanted to bring up was uh, one, there are having uh, there the Democrat uh, Senate is putting out a bill trying to forgive fifty thousand dollars of student loans for every student who's taken out loans. So that wow. goes up to uh, let me see the numbers reported by the Daily Wire was. $1.5 trillion in student loans. Who's going to pay and, for that? Right. Who's going to pay for that? And <laughs> Taxpayers. That, that absolutely blows my mind. $1.5 trillion. I don't even know what a trillion is. That is an absurdly <laughs> high number. College. And um, and so all this is uh, is very absurd to see. And then the other thing that's important, which I, relates to what Joe was saying a second ago, was that they are uh, bringing up um, the representative Yvette Clark and Senator Ed Markey, according to The Wire, are introducing a FEMA Climate Change Preparedness Act, which essentially will declare climate change a national emergency. And the reason why this is something that's bad is because once you declare something a national emergency, there are wide swaths of, uh, of freedom you have to take liberties that you would not be able to take otherwise. Like Joe was talking about, about, um, about police officers able to come into your home and, and search and seize your guns. Well, this is, is another thing that can happen once you have a declared emergency. Now they can make laws. They can spend more money. They can start banning things that you, and, they, and then when you say, whoa, 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 you're violating my rights, we say, well, Normally, you're right. We would be violating your rights, but this is a national emergency. Yeah, it is very concerning for sure. Uh, you know, I, I can see exceptions. That's why there are some exceptions. Uh, police officers have some freedom to judge the situation, especially if there is imminent harm to the community. Uh, they can make some exceptions in order to avoid people being hurt and, and whatnot. And that's fine. I'm all right with that. But it seems like the Supreme Court case could possibly uh, expand those exceptions, and I think that could begin to erode the rights that are guaranteed uh, by or protected, rather, by our Constitution. So that's a very concerning story. Another story that uh, I think – I don't know – I think we might have mentioned this yesterday – I didn't really uh, talk about it at all, and I meant to after the show was kind of kicking myself. I meant to bring this up because yesterday I mentioned that I watched at least half of the Mike Lindell proof video that was on his website. Well, last night I watched the rest of it, uh, and I and in the after show yesterday we were talking about that, and I was asking the question not whether or not you think that there was a fraud in the election. Uh, that's less important to me in the conversation in the sense that I wanted to know whether or not you watched Mike Lindell's video and if you felt it was compelling, uh, which, of course, I think I don't think there was anybody in the comments anyway who didn't feel like it was compelling. Um, but I was struggling with the video because I felt like it wasn't. It wasn't put together well in the sense of making it clear, here's the exact details, here's what happened, that kind of thing. Well, in the last half of the video, you get a lot more of that. So I wanted to make sure I, I said that on the air today. I watched the rest, and in the last part, there's a lot more detail that, they, that, that his guests provide. I still hold to my stance that I don't think Mike Lindell was the best guy for the job of, of uh, interviewing all those folks. I think we could have found somebody probably a little more uh, eloquent and... Uh, organized to be able to pull that off but at, at any rate i'd encourage you to check it out whether you believe or not it doesn't almost matter to me i still think you should check it out one way or the other but here's the other article that came out from time magazine 
Uh, this is called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election. <laughs> I think it's funny. I just think it's hilarious. This is Time Magazine, The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign. And this article goes on to name names and talk about coordinated efforts between big business, big tech, and, and organizations to, uh, to make sure that the election was free and fair and that uh, Trump did not win. So um, here's my point. It goes both ways, right? Watch the Mike Lindell video. Read the article from Time Magazine. We'll link to both. And then you can, uh, you can watch both, listen, read both or whatever, and then you can make up your own mind. But uh, I, just, I just read this article, and I can't help but chuckle. Because this whole time, especially in the article itself, it comments about President Trump's uh, comments on video in December saying there's a coordinated effort against me. And everybody said, oh, he's a conspiratorial, you know, crazy. And this article saying, well, he's right. There was a coordinated effort against him by big tech, by big business, and by media. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, fu it's funny. We live in weird and wild times. And uh, I think that's part of the trouble we're, we're facing, which is why we're going to be talking to Dr. Alan Keyes here in just a little while, 10 to 12 minutes or so. We'll have Dr. Alan Keyes, uh, former ambassador to the UN under Ronald Reagan, to talk about a deeply divided country and the, uh, the, the, the march for lust and power of, of controlling people. And what we can do about that as Catholics, Dr. Alan Keyes will be our guest here shortly. I, I want to mention another article um, that I saw. This was on LifeSite News before we go to break here. It says 501 deaths plus 10,748 other injuries reported following the COVID vaccine. This is from the latest CDC data. 501 deaths from the COVID vaccine. And the, the article and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, reminds us that these vaccines are approved for emergency reasons. They're experimental, haven't been fully licensed yet. Um, there's a lot of concern, which is why we have concern when uh, the hierarchy of the church tries to guilt us into all taking this, but yet there's a big portion of our population that should not be taking it. Are you in that? Am I? I don't know. Maybe we should ask first. I think that's the takeaway. I'll post a link to the article you can read it. We'll be right back with breaking news and stories with Dr. Alan Keyes. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org 
Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and today is Tuesday, February 9th, and these are your headlines. COVID cases have plummeted after the World Health Organization changed its testing protocol on Biden's inauguration day. On January 20th, the World Health Organization quietly issued new guidance on the manner in which polymerase chain reaction tests were to be conducted and reported. It warned against reporting a positive test if the patient did not actually have any symptoms. And they also raised concerns about the risk of false positive tests. Ever since this modification, reports have noted that cases along with deaths and hospitalizations have dropped precipitously in the United States in the last several weeks. However, Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki, has said, quote, even after you're vaccinated and social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential. A government analysis of the Democrat proposal to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour says that it would cost the economy 1.4 million jobs if implemented. The startling analysis was released on Monday by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. The jobs would be lost cumulatively over four years as the proposal would gradually raise the minimum wage from $7.25 to more than twice that amount by 2025. The analysis also estimates that raising the minimum wage would increase the government's deficits by $54 billion over 10 years. Despite making it a plank in his 2020 presidential platform, President Biden signaled in an interview on Sunday that the proposal would likely be abandoned in current legislation being negotiated by Congress. Multiple Catholic-funded agencies in Nashville have been caught promoting abortion and LGBT activism. An investigation by the Lepanto Institute found that Stand Up Nashville and other organizations which are funded by the Catholic Campaign for Human Development have signed on to or directly participated with a coalition directly pushing abortion and transgenderism. Furthermore, the leadership of one of these grantees is heavily involved in the promotion of LGBT activism and is made up of member organizations doing the same. The CCHD grant guidelines specifically state that member organizations that are part of a grantee must not endorse or advocate items against Catholic teaching. The Lepanto Institute will be conducting investigations into each of these organizations individually. And the Australian government is finalizing plans to roll out a vaccine certificate that will provide proof of immunization against the coronavirus. Government Services Minister Stuart Robert announced that Australians will get a record when they receive a COVID-19 vaccine that will be stored and displayed on social security apps called Express Plus Medicare and MyGov. Stuart said, quote, Importantly for Australians, the certificate will be robust. It will be anchored to them so they will know it's their certificate and it will be widely accepted. Australians were primed for technology like this back in 2018 when the government digitized the health records of every citizen with a Medicare card so that any health professional could access the patient's entire medical history. 
I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. So uh, thank you, Emily, for reading the headline news and keeping us up to date. Adrian Fonseca is trying to get our guest, Alan Keyes, on the air right now. So before we jump into that conversation, I want to remind you that uh, Lent is fast approaching. Have you already figured out what your your penance is going to be? You know, I, I one of our priests at our parish gave a great homily. And uh, and it w- was great because he really clearly slayed out the criteria for which we should be discerning what penances we ought to do. And uh, I just, I really got a lot out of it. And he really emphasized, you know, it's not, Lent is not a time for self-improvement unless we're talking about, you know, our improvement towards uh, grace, our improvement towards our relationship to God. But it's also in, in primarily a time to make penance reparation for sins that have been committed, the sins we commit, the sins that our friends and our family commit, our nation, etc. And that those penitential practices ought to have sort of a real uh, uh, difficulty to them in some, in some sense, in the sense that we are limiting and tempering our passions, right? So, fasting from food, uh, it sort of uh, gives the body, you know, it, it reins the body in from just running amok to all the pleasures, right? That kind of thing. But it could be little things. It doesn't have to be major things. Sleeping on the floor. I did that uh, one, I think a one or two lengths. I've slept on the floor and put pebbles in the shoes and all of that stuff. But I thought it was very fascinating. So to that end, we were contemplating things that we might do here as a team to uh, to do something special for the holy season of Lent. And so we, we've got a couple things that we are planning to do, and we're going to communicate that to you, the audience, via our email list. So if you want to be in on that, if you would like to be alerted to, to some of the things we're going to do, for instance, we're looking at doing just a reflection on the Sunday Gospels uh, through the Bible commentaries that we use here all the time on the show. Uh, well, that's going to be one initiative. I'm looking at doing also uh, a little reflection on the trustful surrender to divine providence by St. Columbert. It's a great little meditation. Someone handed this to me over 15 years ago, probably nearly 20 years ago, and it's a powerful uh, little book that sort of challenges you to let go of control. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of that. So we're going to do some of this stuff during the season of Lent, and we'll communicate that by email. If you want to get on the Catholic Drive Time email, uh, this is how you do it. You can either go to our website, and you can go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, or you can pull out your cell phone right now, and you can text to join our list. It's super simple. It's very easy. This is how you do it. All you have to do is type in your text uh, to the to the number 42828. So text this to 42828, the letters GRN, to the number 42828, and you can join our email list. It's super easy. I, I will bug you in your email inbox, so be fair warned that you're going to get some emails, maybe once a week or something, uh, from us. So if you don't like getting a lot of emails, then maybe you don't join. It's fine. No big deal. But we are going to be doing some special stuff. We want to alert you to that. Now, to thank you for joining, it's sort of, a, a, sort of a, an intro offer here, is we're giving out a, a talk by Father Bill Casey from the Fathers of Mercy. It's a powerful talk called The State of the Union, the Church and Society, where we're going, how we, what we should be thinking about. And it's about 30 minutes. He gave this talk to our, our GRN uh, staff in, and, and uh, donors in Houston last November. It's powerful. And you're going to get a lot out of that. You get that immediately upon signing up. You get a link in your email inbox. You can watch it right away. Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy. It's pretty powerful.
So check that out. Again, all you have to do to join that list is text the letters GRN to the number 42828. All right, so Adrian Fonseca, our producer, is trying to get Dr. Alan Keyes on the line right now. Uh, I know he was traveling. He was going to be in uh, Tennessee, I think, today, and he said he was going to be on with us. So hopefully we'll get that worked out before we go uh, to uh, the, the end of the hour this hour. But there's a couple of other stories that we can jump into that um, we would have covered in the after show anyway uh, while we're waiting for Dr. Keyes to jump on the phone with us. But So there was another story related to the one I mentioned in the What's Concerning Us section uh, from LifeSite News about the vaccine deaths and related injuries. I'm not making light of this. Uh, it's a serious thing. And I think we can, under the idea of, of being charitable to our neighbors, we're all supposed to jump out and get this. But there's clearly, clearly a portion of humanity that should not be getting this because they are, they are apt to have an adverse reaction to that. And maybe they should ask these questions with their doctors first and find out what the answers are. But here's what's concerning me that's related to that. Also from LifeSide News, we'll link to these stories as we wait for Dr. Keyes to jump on. Um, Australia pushes forward with vaccine certificates, paving the way for mandated shots. They're not the only ones. We've seen Australia, Sweden, the UK, Ontario, uh, even New York State, and others, uh, many others, are considering requiring their citizens in order to do things like go to the grocery store, eat at a restaurant, jump on public transportation, uh, and many other things. They're going to be required to carry sort of a, a, a passport of sorts, a certificate, whether or not they had their, their vaccines. By the way, the vaccine doesn't stop COVID. Um, and I think we're, we're good now. So jumping on the air with us right now is Dr. Alan Keyes. He is a, a, a former ambassador to the United Nations and our President Ronald Reagan, three-time candidate for the President of the United States. Um, good morning to you, Dr. Keyes. Good morning. How are you? Praise God, I'm alive. It's good to have you on the program. Uh, we're very grateful to you for being on with us. Um, I wanted to jump in with you. Uh, our country is deeply divided, Dr. Keyes. And it seems like there's a great, uh, the, the lust for power and control is growing and growing more and more these days. Um, how do you look at our current situation in our country? Well, I think we're in the midst of the greatest existential crisis that the United States has uh, ever faced, uh, unless you want to include the uh, revolutionary period, uh, when, of course, the existence of the country was in the balance, but uh, it hasn't come into being yet. Um, aside from that, I think that this crisis is worse, in fact, than the Civil War, because it reflects a fundamental divide. Um, Lincoln was able to say, I think, with some truth, uh, in his famous address, that both sides prayed to the same God, right? Well, I don't think that's true anymore. I think the sense that there's a fundamental uh, premise of authority uh, that this country looks to uh, has been abandoned uh, by people who have adopted uh, ideologies that deny God, uh, deny, therefore, the premise of God-endowed, unalienable right. Yes? Dr. Keyes, forgive me. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. We have a hard break we have to take for our partners at the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network. So hold that thought. We have Dr. Alan Keyes on the line here. We're going to come back from this break and jump right back into our conversation. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time with Dr. Alan Keyes. We'll be right back.
This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. When people ask us about the goal of our family ministry, our answer is simple, world domination. (laughs) Not by having a prolific family, although that's one way to do it, but by simply proclaiming Jesus Christ is the king of every family. This kingship is lived out through love, love between spouses and all family members that flows out of our love for the Lord. Where does this plan for world domination start? Jesus had made it easy by giving us the devotion to his sacred heart. When a family puts the image of the all-loving heart of Jesus in a place of honor within their home, Jesus promised they would receive heavenly graces in abundance, grace that would bring peace to their homes, console them in difficulties, and shed blessings on all their undertakings. All of this just for proclaiming him king of the family. A great day to do this is on June 19th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. To learn more about how to make Christ the king of your home, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and Dr. Alan Keyes is our guest. Uh, talking about the, uh, the divided nature of our, of our country. Um, Dr. Keyes, I hated to interrupt you, but we had a hard break there. Thank you for being on our program again. Um, 2020. 2020 is a was a year of some surprises, and yet it was a year that could be could have been predicted in some ways too. Um, and I, I was watching a, a talk you gave, I think, to uh, uh, it was 2019. I forget the group, but it was a powerful talk you gave where you you talked about how the the far left uses pandemics, epidemics to try to consolidate and and uh, take power and to to control the thinking of people based on labels and identities and the cross section of these of gender ideology and the rest. How do we as Catholics respond to all of that? Well, I, I, I was going to say, I think we respond, at least in the American context, by remembering uh, what is the ground and foundation of our country. Um, it's not that often in history that, uh, as an essential matter, a country, a nation, a people comes into existence on the basis of an idea where God is the center of it all, so that the country, the government, the politics, everything requires that you remember God's authority. But America is that way, uh, because the basic premise for our self-government, for the form of government that has us going to the polls and voting for representatives, rather than being subject to people because they have power, right? The ordinary forms of government throughout human history have been forms of government that grew out of the power of certain people, usually in some military form because they beat you on the battlefield or are otherwise able to overcome you through terrorizing you uh, and otherwise using their power. Uh, Or there could be people who had amassed wealth and controlled you because they were the only source. Uh, of jobs and uh, income that lets you support your family and things of this kind. There was always that elitist quality. Uh, America was founded on the premise that every human being has rights that come from God and that governments aren't based on the results of war, 
They are based on observing what is right according to the endowment of God's will and coming together as human beings dedicated to doing right in those terms and establishing governments to reflect that dedication. Uh, so throughout the history of the country, there's been a battle going on uh, between people who essentially represent the old way of doing things, where power is all that matters, and you do what you're told by those in power, and people who believe that God is in charge, and that under God's rule, human beings are entitled to a certain respect if they are walking the path that accords with God's will. Uh, and uh, I think our whole way of life depends on that. We have been gradually coming under the influence of people who reject it, who reject God, first of all, and then reject everything that's the consequence of God's will, uh, like respect for innocent human life. Uh, and so we get involved in things that have overturned the founding premises of the country, um, but without telling people that that's what they were doing. You see what I'm saying? No, no, no. They would have they would have the Declaration occasionally in their mouths, and they would talk about rights and justice. And meanwhile, they follow ideologies where there is no right but what is determined by the outcomes of power. And once you get that power in your hands, it is absolute, and you use it according to your will in order to dictate to others, even if what you dictate is contrary to God's will. Uh, and that's the situation we're in. Uh, and the question is, as a people, are we going to accept that now as the basis for the society we live in? Because it removes us from the position of being members of the sovereign body of the people on account of our reverence for God's authority and puts us in the position of being serfs and slaves of whoever happens to have the power of government in their hands. We're talking with Dr. Alan Keyes, uh, former ambassador to the UN under Ronald Reagan. Uh, now, Dr. Keyes, you had a major role to play in the Mexico City policy. And I would hope, uh, I would like rather for you to explain maybe to our audience what the Mexico City policy is and why it should be shocking to us as Catholics in particular uh, that it gets reversed under the second Catholic president uh, in our nation's history, Dr. Keyes. Well, the Mexico City policy is called that because it's a policy that was forged uh, by the Reagan administration in preparation for the Mexico City Population Conference um, in 1984, I think it was. Uh, and I attended as one of the three representatives to the conference. Uh, the lead representative was James Buckley, and I was one of the two others. Uh, and I uh, was charged with the task, in fact, uh, of uh, implementing this policy, that is, of working with other nations in order to establish that other nations also supported what we were doing, uh, which, of course, they did. Nations in um, Latin and South America, Africa, the Middle East, uh, they were under all kinds of pressure to accept abortion, uh, to have it forced on them as, as a part of health care, uh, and they were refusing to do so on grounds of moral principle. Uh, that they respected uh, the right and dignity of the child in the womb. Uh, so I actually found that contrary to what the press had said about our policy, we didn't have a hard time putting together a coalition uh, that essentially backed us up, uh, because it uh, was the view that was on the heart of most of, uh, of the countries uh, that were at the conference, and we got their support eventually, to, much to the chagrin, I think, uh, of the uh, media at the time and others uh, who backed the uh, abortion stance. Uh, but we're now in a position where, uh, you know, uh, the elected president, Joe Biden, 
I call them alleged for various reasons, because that's the word you use when something is claimed on the basis of doubtful evidence. And there's a controversy about the evidence, so I use that word from the law. Um, anyway, he comes in, and he, his first action, practically, is to restore, uh, is to uh, abrogate, rather, uh, um, the uh, President Trump's restoration of the Mexico City policy so that we would no longer be funding abortion. Now, why is that important? Because if you fund these international organizations with U.S. money, you empower them, and they pressure countries to adopt abortion as part of health care and force it on all health care providers in their country. So we essentially become the champions of the spread of this evil. Uh, and I think it's appalling that someone who calls himself a Catholic and says he's a devout Catholic uh, would then stand away from God's will uh, uh, as um, uh, inerrantly pronounced uh, by the Church's teaching uh, for the whole time that it has been in existence. Um, that, uh, that we would then put the country in the position again of basically funding this kind of pressure against good. You see what I'm saying? And that suggests what I was uh, started out to say. Uh, we're dealing now with a major divide, a country that was founded on the premise that we all agree on doing right according to God's will, because that's what the endowment of unalienable rights uh, meant to the people who uh, said it, meant to the people who wrote the Constitution, meant throughout our history so that it became a basis for opposing and overturning slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, unequal rights for women. You see what I'm saying? The whole premise that we fought for as a nation was that we had to become a people worthy of the standard laid down when we were founded. Uh, and now you have a large number of people for ideological. They, they call it ideological. They all pretend to be for rights for the downtrodden, rights for black people, and rights for minority, and so forth and so on. And then uh, they follow a uh, kind of racism that is the worst possible racism, anti-human racism. They're not going to kill you because you're black. They're not going to kill you because you're Asian. They're not going to kill you because you're part of this minority or that or speak this language or that or come from this country or that. They're going to kill you because you're an innocent human being who can't defend him or herself. And they're going to call that justice. Now, Dr. Alan Keyes... Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. So we're getting a comment from YouTube. Michael had a question for you. He wants to know if you can address um, Washington's farewell address from 1796, where he says, quote, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. So it seems like our founding fathers believed that we needed religion in order to remain a moral society. Do you think this idea still exists today? Three minutes left in the program. Well, see, I think the greatest mistake that we ever accepted as a people was the notion that separation of church and state, meaning banish God from your country, banish religion, banish faith, it's not possible. We are a nation premised on the notion that the people get to govern themselves through representatives in a legislature and through people then that they elect to carry out the law. Why? Because of God-endowed unalienable rights. What are those? rights that are inherent in our nature, programmed, as it were, into the warp and woof of our spirit as well as our bodies. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, by God, by the Creator, by, by the way, the one who is identified in the Scripture as the Word made flesh who dwelt amongst us, who was with God and was God, as the one through whom all things were made. 
So when they invoked, invoked the Creator, they were standing on the premises, on biblical premises. I often tell people, uh, uh, the Bible, uh, the, the Declaration of Independence is the bridge between the Bible and the Constitution. And if we stand away from the Declaration, stand away from God's authority, our country will collapse? No. Our country is collapsing. In case people haven't noticed, we're disintegrating. We're, we're standing on the verge of an abyss that will either plunge us into war or see us torn away from everything that makes us a free people, free in the sense that we participate in the decisions of government. We choose those who are to carry them out. We are not simply the subjects of rulers who can uh, have us do according to their will no matter what God says. That's where we are right now. So yeah, I think that we are coming to the existential crisis that started when we started to back away from the premise of God's authority on which the country was founded and which led, I believe, to all of its success. And so far as we've been a successful country, it was on account of the strength, the courage, the faith, and the moral rectitude that guided choice at critical times uh, when justice was at stake. Mm-hmm. We've been talking with Dr. Alan Keyes, uh, former ambassador to the UN under Ronald Reagan. Thank you, uh, Dr. Keyes, for your time this morning. We're sorry about the internet connection at the beginning of our conversation, but it was a great conversation uh, for as uh, short as it was. We're very grateful, and we'd love to have you back sometime. I'd love to be back. All right. God love you. God bless you, Dr. Keyes. Have a great day. That's going to do it for the first hour of our show. We're so grateful to all of you who joined us in this program. If you can join us in the next hour, we got more Catholic Drive Time on the way, the game show. We have the Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus more breaking news and stories. All of that, you can live stream us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Join us. We'd love to have you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive who are left shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 24, which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. Two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus' coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? 
Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. The good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the left behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Anne is a real GRN listener, so to help tell her story, we hired Open Line Monday host, John Martinoni. I love listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN. Anne is a smart girl. And when I found out that GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, I was like, where do I sign up? Getting even smarter. So, I went to grnonline.com and bought five tickets for $100. That's a stale. Celebrity voice impersonated. Drawing ends March 1st. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. It's good to be on with you. Uh, Praise God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Dr. Alan Keyes uh, about the state of our union, really. We'll be putting out that video just by itself later today on YouTube and on Rumble. You can find all the links to our uh, platforms over at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for the Catholic Drive Time email list and get that free talk from Father Bill Casey. It's pretty powerful. You're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, So you can find that online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll have to have Dr. Keyes back. That was great. Uh, But in this hour, more breaking news and stories with Emily Emily Alcarez. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and The Game Show. Praise God. Three more chances into the coffee cup of divine providence. And uh, this week's sponsor is ChooseLife.org. Choose as in I chew on something, like as in a chewable rosary, a teething rosary for, for infants. So that's kind of a cool deal. Uh, so if you'd like to get in on the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence op- opportunity at the Choose Life Rosary, well, all you got to do is be ready to call us. The first caller gets that, and we'll give you that number in just a little while. But the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? <laughs> Praise God, I am alive. That's great. What a blessing. <laughs> is it really? Yes, it I is. I wonder sometimes. No, it is. Of the course it is. The greatest gift God gave us. Yes, amen to that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the greatest gift God gave us, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. <laughs> You've been talking to my mom, haven't you? I have. I she, have. she always tells me I'm the greatest gift, you know. <laughs> I've been reading St. Hema, and she's like, I just want to die. I want to go to heaven. Did you say yeah. Hema? Yeah. Is, is that it? how it's pronounced? I don't know. That's I have friends that are named Hema, spelled the same way. So I've never heard That's how Hema. I pronounce it. <laughs> Kathy on YouTube says, praise be to Jesus, uh, Catholic drive time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. And if you're hanging out with us anywhere on social media, leave a comment. We want to know uh, you're hanging out with us. Let us know where you're from, what parish you go to, how you listen to us. Normally, uh, we would love to uh, to have a conversation with you. Speaking of which, we're going to do the, uh, the all the breaking news and stories. All that's coming up here in just one moment. But the Holy Mass airs at 730 
Uh, but if you want to hang out with us on social media for the after show where we will conversate about whatever comes up in conversation, uh, we'd love to have you do that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you're at, comment, let us know. Be a part of our program. But let's pray. Your intentions, my intentions, I'm, I'm obviously lifting you up this morning. I want my brain to get out of its own way. It's been having a real struggle today. <laughs> have you ever had foggy brain in the morning? Boy, do I ever have it today. But uh, asking our Lord uh, to give us extra graces for all our uh, conversion and reversion needs, especially within our friends and family. Praying for the conversion of heart, mind, and body and soul of our president uh, on the non-negotiable issues and particular, praying for his health as well, praying for peace in our country, uh, praying for peace in our world. Let us ask Our Lady to intercede on our behalf. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcress. The National Guard presence in the Capitol cost American taxpayers $483 million. The Pentagon authorized 7,000 troops on January 6th and then 19,000 more for the inauguration of President Joe Biden on January 20th. The number reduced back to 7,000 by the end of January and is further expected to reduce to 5,000 by mid-March. Republican lawmakers have demanded to know why the National Guard is still in Washington. The National Guard troop presence caused a scandal after a National Guard unit protecting the Capitol building was reportedly told to take their breaks in a parking garage. Enrollment at Catholic schools this academic year has seen its largest drop in nearly half a century, according to a new report. A data brief of the National Catholic Educational Association showed that enrollment at Catholic schools was down 6.4% for the 2020 and 2021 school year, the biggest percentage drop in enrollment since 1973. The overall number of students at Catholic schools declined by more than 110,000 for the present academic year, and more than 200 schools have closed after the previous school year. A large share of this decline was due to enrollment attrition at pre-K schools. The drop in enrollment amid the COVID-19 pandemic far outpaces the decline that followed the church's 2002 clergy sex abuse crisis and the 2008 financial crisis. 140 people are still missing after a flood disaster in India. The flood was caused when a portion of Nanda Devi Glacier snapped off on Sunday morning, releasing water that was trapped behind it and forcing the evacuation of many villages along the banks of the local rivers. A hydroelectric plant on the Alaknanda was destroyed and a plant under construction on the Dauliganga was damaged. At least 42 workers were trapped in two tunnels at the Dauliganga project. 12 were rescued from one of the tunnels, while at least 30 others remained stranded inside the other. And the U.S. bishops have adjusted a liturgical translation following concerns from the Congregation for Divine Worship. The U.S. Bishops' Conference last week decreed that in the translation of the conclusion of collects in the Roman Missal, the word one is to be omitted before God. The conclusions will now read, God forever and ever. 
Until now, the conclusions to Collex had been rendered in English as one God forever and ever. The committee's notes said that Cardinal Seurat had observed that there is no mention of one in the original Latin, and Deus in the Latin text refers to Christ, and the English hand missiles that preceded Vatican II reflected the corrected translation. However, when the post-conciliar texts were published in English, the word one was added. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praised be the Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thank you, Emily, for reading the news for us. Now, today is, uh, you know, the obvious choice of the saint of the day would have been uh, Blessed and Catherine Emmerich, right, Adrian? Today is, today is her day. But we decided that uh, she would be the mystic formerly known as Catherine today because we're going to be using uh, a saint who I'm sure you've never heard of, uh, which I always love to do when I have the opportunity. Blessed Luis Magana Cervén. Pray for us. He was born on the 24th of August, 1902 in Arandas, Mexico. He was a lifelong layman in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara, an active member of the Catholic Association of Mexican Youth, member of the Archcon Fraternity of the Night Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and of Our Lady of Guadalupe Association of Tradesmen at his parish. He grew up helping his father and his uh, family's leather tannery, and was a baseball fan. He married his lovely wife, Elvira, on the 6th of January, 1926, and they had a son named Gilberto and one daughter on the way. When on the 9th of February, 1928, the Cristero War was uh, was pretty hot and heavy at that point, and his town was a hotbed for Cristero's support. And so the troops came in to arrest him and many others, but he was not there. Now, Blessed Luis Magana Servin did not serve with arms in the Cristero movement, but he did supply material support along with many of the other uh, townspeople. But when he was not in town when the soldiers arrived, his brother was arrested instead. And upon hearing this news, Blessed Luis Magana Servin turned himself into the governor and asked to replace his brother in jail. And he was obliged. In fact, his brother was set free and Luis was given the death penalty for the crime of being a part of the Cristero movement. His wife was pregnant with Maria, but she would not be born until after her father's death. Standing in front of a firing squad on the 9th of February, 1928, Blessed Luis Magana Servan said this to his executioners. Soldiers who are going to shoot me, I want to tell you that from this moment I pardon you. I promise that on arriving in the presence of God, you are the first ones for whom I will intercede. Long live Christ the King in Our Lady of Guadalupe. They shot him dead. And on the 20th of November 2005, Pope Benedict XVI would beatify him. Blessed Luis Magana Servin, pray for us. The Holy Gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. When the Pharisees, with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well have you set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition? For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, If someone says to father or mother, Any support you might have had from me is korban, meaning dedicated to God, you allow him to do nothing more for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many such things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is a great gospel for us to chew on a little bit today. I love the fact that Mark explains things to his audience, assuming, of course, that his audience is probably not Hebrew or Jewish and understands these nuanced differences between traditions that Jesus is speaking about here. Probably because, as we know from the, 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 the tradition of our church, that Mark was simply writing down what Peter preached, probably in Rome, to a non-Jewish audience as well. So, I think that's fascinating that this comes to us down in the gospel today. And we see here that uh, he's explaining this, that this nuanced difference between traditions here, the tradition of human man and the tradition of, uh, of what was communicated divinely through Moses, that these extra things were added on later. Notice there's never a, uh, a dialogue of sorts between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. That gets used a lot in modern parlance where we think about, oh, we have to always be in dialogue with people. Yes, dialogue is good, and I support dialogue when it leads to the greater truth and we get people we meet people where they're at and take them where they got to go that could be good dialogue but when we just accept people for whatever decide they decide is truth that's not authentic and true dialogue and Jesus never does that kind of a thing with the Pharisees the scribes and the Sadducees instead he here is confronting them and he's calling them out as hypocrites because they've got these all these extra traditions wash your hands but ignore your heart Really? Well, golly gee whiz. The fourth commandment says to honor your father and your mother. And yet you people found a loophole that you can give all your money to the temple and not have to support your aging parents. Oh, wash your hands of this. I'm sorry, mom and dad. I, I gave all my money to the temple. I guess you're out of luck. Like, and he's just calling them out. Let us chew on that today. Let us remember that we have this opportunity to not just throw away our obligations, but we must meditate on what God is calling us to. Notice also that Jesus does not condemn all traditions. It's not as though every tradition is thereby banned. He just condemns these traditions. When these traditions prevent us from doing God's divine law, they aren't good. And St. Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians to hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on by word of mouth or by letter. So Jesus doesn't condemn all traditions, but he does condemn those that, pre that prevent us from falling. It gives us an excuse to get out of uh, doing what God has commanded us to do. Well, that's going to do it for the gospel meditation and the after show. We'll ask Emily and Adrian for their comments uh, for that as well. But... Right now, we're going to be looking for our contestant for our game show. We're going to go to break. We'll come back with 
our Fear and Trembling Game Show. If you want to be a contestant and get three opportunities to win this week's prize pack by ChooseLife.com, well, you better call right now. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. I've got the questions in my hand. Three opportunities are next at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome back to uh, Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show that lets you work out your salvation in fear and trembling. I stole that completely from St. Paul, by the way. Uh, it's a great opportunity to win some prizes. So we have a secret and hidden agenda here on the show, so don't tell anybody this. But we want to teach a little bit about the faith, so you'll always learn something that maybe you didn't know before. We like to have a little laugh in the process, and we give out prizes. It's kind of a win-win-win for everyone involved. But here's the kicker. I don't ask the caller the questions. I don't. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds to decide who are they going to trust Will they trust Emily? Will they trust Adrian? They'll have 15 seconds to decide. It's a 50-50 shot, and uh, and we have a good time in the process. So that is how the game is played, and prizes, as I said, 
are involved because every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize Tell pack. them what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor is ChooseLife.com, and they produce, uh, this is a mom-run business, and they produce silicone rosaries that are for babies that are teething. And so they're giving away one of their silicone rosaries. They come in all kinds of different colors. They're so pretty. And actually, this week, everyone, all of our listeners can be a winner because they're, they've given us a discount code for 10% off for everyone cool. who uses the code Guadalupe Radio 10 on their website. Wow. So go to ChooseLife.com and use the discount code Guadalupe Radio 10. Yes. All, all caps. All. Guadalupe Radio 10. All right. Praise God. Let's go to the phones. Delia, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in our program. Where are you from? I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Praise be to God, Delia. Thanks for being a part of our Amen. game show today. Now, what parish do you go to, Delia? I go to St. Thomas More Catholic Church. St. Thomas More. Pensacola, Florida. I think this is our first time, guys, for uh, Florida Caller wow. on the game show. Let's give, it, let's give it up for Welcome. Florida. Delia, praise be to God. We like uh, getting new calls from new right. parts of the world. Now, Delia, have, are you, have you been listening to the show? Do you understand how the rules are played? Yes. So you know, then, that Emily and Adrian cannot be trusted. You have to listen to them very carefully. Delia. Yes. <laughs> I thought I lost you there for a second. They're, they're tricky, so you just got to keep a, a careful ear out. All right. Well, praise be to God. Uh, are you ready to play the game show today, Delia? Yes, sir. All right. She seems eager. I like this. Emily, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Positive. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me what is mortal sin? Well, uh, the word mortal implies, like, life and death, right? So I'm going to say a mortal sin is murder, the sin of murder. The sin of murder. Could be. Could be. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what is mortal sin? Uh, yeah, I suppose I can. Um, let's see. The, a mortal sin is a grievous offense against the law of God. A grievous offense against the law of God. Okay, so Adrian is on the hook for a grievous offense against the law of God. And Emily says mortal sin is committing murder. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's trying to fool you? Delia, what say you? 15 seconds. Uh, Let's go with Adrian. Survey says not fooled. You could not uh, stump Delia. Congratulations, well done. Delia. You're in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence. How do you feel, Delia, so far? Very easy question, oh, wouldn't you great. say? Great, great. <laughs> now, uh, so bonus question, what needs to happen, what needs to occur in order for it to be considered a mortal sin that you must go to confession on? Do you know, Delia, any, any idea? Uh, you did it in purpose. Yes. Disobeying God. Very good. You have to know that it involves grave matter. You have to know that it's wrong, and you have to choose to do it anyway. That is mortal sin, so let's not do any of those today. All right, praise God. Question number two, we'll start with Adrian this time. Adrian, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Adrian, what term refers to the science of the defense and explanation of the Christian religion? Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with a systematic study of ascetical uh, and mystical theology and practical uh, practical theology. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Okay. One more time. Say that one more time. Slower. A, a systematic study of mystical and ascetical theology and practical theology. Okay. It's simple. It's quite. It's quite. It's. It's I don't know why. It's very simple. Okay. Very straightforward. I was having flashbacks of reading Pope Saint John Paul II. But okay. Uh, All right. So a systematic study is your answer. Sure. Why not? Something like that. Sure. Why not? Let's pray. Emily has a better answer. Uh, Emily, can you tell me what term refers to the science of the defense and explanation of the Christian religion? I'll give you the easy answer. It's apologetics. Why couldn't he say that? Right. Like, short and sweet and to the point. Apolo- and and so right. You think we should apologize for our faith? No, 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 wow. no. 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 Apologetics, no. apologetics comes from the word which means explanation or giving reasons for. That's your answer. Mm-hmm. Apologetics uh, versus Adrian's systematic study. Systematic study of mystical and ascetical theology and practical theology. Nope. What? Nope. I feel bad for Delia. 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. <laughs> Who's right? Who's wrong? How many hosts are confused? Delia, what say you? Emily? Survey says wow. no pool in Delia today. Adrian tried to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> Apologetics. We are, in fact, not apologizing for our faith. We are giving a reasoned defense. It comes from the Greek word apologia. And some of my favorite apologia comes from Justin the Martyr in about the year 125 AD, who wrote letters to the, the uh, Roman Curia, the Senate, the governing body, and to the son of the emperor, basically defending the Christian faith. Delia, good job. You were not fooled. How do you feel, Delia? Oh, I feel great. Last chance here. Third opportunity. Uh, Let's see if this... uh, This one may be a little trickier. Let's just see how it goes. Emily, we're right back to you this time. Emily, can you tell me what term refers to the sacrilegious purchase uh, or sale of ecclesiastical offices, benefices, or sacred objects? Think of what Martin Luther did not like. Uh, on Wittenberg uh, Castle Chapel door there. Remember that? Back in the uh, 16th century? Yeah, the No, I wasn't there. You weren't there at the time? I remember that. I was there. So what Um, term refers to the sacrilegious purchase or sale of ecclesiastical offices, benefices, or sacred objects? Well, I know Martin Luther didn't like indulgences, so Mm -hmm, I'm going to say he also didn't really get them, but indulgences is what I'm going to go with. You sure? Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Let's see. Adrian, Adrian, can you tell me what term refers to the sacrilegious purchase or sale of ecclesiastical offices, benefices, or sacred objects? Well, for one, I want to reject that uh, Luther had any good points at all whatsoever. <laughs> and that, uh, But it's the sin of simony, which was what he was speaking out against, which I reject that that's actually what was happening. But simony is the answer, is what I'm going with. Simony is your answer uh, for Adrian. And Emily is on the hook for indulgences. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Delia, what say you? Let's go for Emily. Survey says... Oh, no. No. Sorry. Teaser, Adrian. Ouch. I'm so sorry. Actually, uh, it's a good guess, though. I mean, I could see it being rolled in there, but it was was a trick. In fact, simony is the correct answer. And, in fact, Adrian VI... No, it wasn't Adrian VI. There is no Adrian VI. It was Alexander VI. I was I was throwing a bone at you there, Adrian. Alec, Pope Alexander the Sixth did in fact commit this uh, this sin of simony by selling ecclesiastical offices, and that was part of the scandal that led up to uh, his nailing his thesis, ninety five thesis on the chapel door there in Wittenberg. So Delia, I'm so sorry, but you got two chances got in the two coffee cup three. of divine providence. That's great. How do you feel about that, Delia? Hey, that is great. I learned something new. 
Praise be to yes. God. Praise be to God. Now, That's awesome. do you have, uh, so this is this week's prize pack, if it be God's will that you should uh, win and your name be drawn from the uh, great coffee cup over there. Should uh, you win, do you have someone to give a chewable rosary to? Yes, I just had uh, a two-month-old grandbaby boy. Oh. Congratulations. Oh. Baby boy, what's his name? Nolan. Nolan, well, praise be to God. We're very grateful, Delia, that you've been on our program today. And our first caller from Pensacola, Florida, on the game show. Boy, that is an exciting day. So uh, God love you, Delia. We're going to put you on hold so that uh, we can get your information in case you are the winner. But thanks for being on our show today. Sure. God bless you guys. God bless you, too. God bless you. All right. Joe, make sure you let people know what uh, where does simony come from? Why is it called simony? Why you tell me, Simon of Serene? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. no, not Simon of Serene. No, no, Simon uh, was a was a was a wizard, or he did he was a oh, magician in the and letter he, in the right, book of Acts. Exactly, yes. and he was trying to purchase um, religious office. He was asking the apostles, "Hey, if I give you a couple bucks, will you uh, <laughs> give me that apostolic succession uh, so that way I can do miracles too?" And they were like, uh, "No." And so uh, that's what. Since then, it's been called Simon trying to buy and sell religious office. Amen. Praise God. All right. Right. That's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today. The Mass will start here across the Guadalupe Radio Network in just a few minutes. But if you can hang out with us for the after show, we would surely love to hang out with you. You can do that by uh, streaming us live on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. If you're there already, make sure you give us a shout-out. Let us know where you're from and what parish you go to and how you listen. And when you listen to our show, we'd love to have you. If you have any questions or comments about anything we discussed today, Dr. Alan Keyes, the What's Concerning Us stories, whatever, wherever the conversation goes, that is what we talk about in the after show of the program. We'd love to have you back on the show tomorrow morning across the uh, Guadalupe Radio Network and on the Station of the Cross. Trent Horn is our guest tomorrow. We're going to talk about the counterfeit Christ, how Jesus gets uh, hijacked all the time for movements like the LGBTQ movement, for instance. We'll talk to Trent Horn from Catholic Answers live tomorrow on the program. So 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here, Catholic Drive Time. But again, Catholic, uh, the after show of the Catholic Drive Time show starts in just a few minutes. We'd love to have you on the show. Don't forget to get that Father Bill Casey talk at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show. Praise be to God. Um, boy, today I had like severe fog brain, and I was really struggling in that first hour to get out of my own way. And so, uh, we, well, we survived it anyway. How do you deal with that, there, Emily? Do you have with do brain you have, fog? You have brain fog. I mean, but you're probably too young for brain fog. 
No, I do get brain frog. Uh, fos. Did you see that? Frog. I set you up. Brain it was frog. a total setup. <laughs> no, I have Power a of suggestion. extremely strong coffee. Extremely, extremely strong. strong. I've oh, got yeah. coffee, but uh, I guess the older I get, I wonder how effective this is. I cannot drink just any coffee. Your average coffee Starbucks Dunkin' Donuts doesn't do anything for me. I have to order Café Bustelo. That's the only thing that works for me. And where does one get Café Bustelo? I order massive um, amounts from Amazon and then massive use my Keurig. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, praise be to God. Brain, brain, Brian. Uh, Jesus says Brian Fog. Frog. Brian Frog. <laughs> or is that Brain Frog? See? Who knows anymore? I'm like, this morning, the I really frog. could not get out of my own way. All Jesus does is laugh at me every day. <laughs> No matter, no matter how I uh, prepare for the show, it seems he like He said. It's he a also struggle. said earlier, apologia sounds like we can eat it with cheese. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, yeah, apologia. <laughs> oh, apologia. Sounds like a uh, sounds like a dessert. Joaquin over on Facebook says, "Good morning. All have a blessed day. Praise God." Good morning Joaquin. to you. We're always Joaquin. grateful you're a part of our program, Joaquin. Um, and y'all, did y'all read already? Jesus said, apologia <laughs> sounds like we can eat it with cheese. Every time. Uh, Adrian falls for it. Every, yes, yes. In I'm fact, sorry. she did. I <laughs> said, don't read Jesus' comments I'm without sorry. me. We oh my gosh. It was because it was really oh, funny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, Lori says that she also drinks the, what was the, uh, what was the. Uh, Café Bustelo. Café Bustelo. Oh yeah. The good stuff. Uh, they have it. At Aldi's. Oh, really? I have an Aldi's oh, right next to my house. I, should, God. I love Aldi's. I just went there last week. What's hey, Aldi's? Hey, Seuss. It's a grocery store. It's- hey, Seuss. Did you know about the uh, our blessed today? Blessed Luis Magana Cervin. Have you ever heard of him before? He said, I love blessed Luis Magana on, uh, on Facebook. Amen. Oh, I'd never heard of him before. Raquel. Uh, says, can I can I just say I love Emily's poker face during the game? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Chris Chris uh, says, good guys, uh, good guys, great show today. Praise God. Oh, he says I visited Jose Sanchez and three other Cristero Rey mar- uh, martyrs in Mexico. <gasps> now, oh. Jose, Jesus is from the same place as Jose uh, Sanchez del Rio. No way. Oh, yeah. That's super cool. Next yeah. time you go, take me with me. Take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> He's got brain frog, too. Brain I, frog. I, you know. <laughs> brain fog. That, no, that's what he... He said frog? No, it's a joke. You oh, missed it. Joke. Oh, I missed every... I've gone for 30 <laughs> seconds. Jeff uh, from Bulverde. Bul, Bul Good grief. See, brain fog is a thing today. Good morning again from Bulverde. God bless you, Jeff. Thank you for being a part of our show again. God bless you. I think the brain frog adds spice. I see Angelo and Michael. We got Michael on. Now, Michael just, just found us on the YouTube side. Oh, great. Uh, from Gloria TV. So I've been posting to, at uh, Gloria.tv cool. for a while now. I see Anna Cruz over there. Good morning. Jesus to all. Uh, good morning. Praise God. Thank you, Anna. If you're listening Jake from uh, the Station of the Cross Facebook page, let me know. I haven't seen anybody on from Station of the Cross today. So if you were listening and you're a listener from Station of the Cross, uh, comment down below uh, so that way we can see you and say hi. Yeah, praise God. Well, Dr. Alan Keyes, we, we had planned to have him on by Zoom chat. So we were going to have him on by video. Uh, but unfortunately, he had an issue with his internet connection right as we were trying to get him on. So it we got we lost probably seven, eight minutes in the... In the yeah, game. we it lost happens. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It, well, he said he was not in a place, because he was traveling at the time. He said he was in, ended up not being in a place where he could get connected to internet. So we had him on via phone instead. Still a great interview. He, wow. Uh, he's pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you YouTube 
Dr. Alan Keyes, he gave a, t- a talk in 2019. I, I have to look it up. I have to do it where I can get the actual title of where he was talking. But I want to say he was talking to like CPAC or something like that. Mm-hmm. And boy, was it powerful. He talked about gender ideology and gender identity issues and, and just it was very, very powerful. He's mm-hmm. a powerful speaker. Uh, Lucia over on Facebook asks me, did I get the chance to finish watching Absolute Proof by Mike Lindell? I did. I did finish watching it, Lucia. Um, so here's my thoughts on Mike Lindell and Absolute Proof. And I would encourage people to go to his website and watch it for themselves. It's kind of long. Uh, the, you were right. The second half, or more like the last 20 minutes of that video, was more compelling. Um, I, I go back to my kind of original thoughts. I feel like Mike Lindell should have probably hired someone to present this and interview these people and present this evidence because I think they would have done a better job than he personally did. Um, For instance, I think Glenn Beck would have been fantastic at this. I think he has a compelling way of laying out facts and connecting dots uh, that I thought would have been better than Mike having done it. Uh, I think the evidence he, he, he showed in the last 20 minutes was way more compelling than what he was talking about in the first hour and a half or first hour 15, whatever it was. So ultimately I wish he would have started off with boom, here's, here's, there's this really compelling piece. Go look at this. And then followed up with this conversations with security experts, because I go back to one of the big things I think that are, that's at issue with Mike Lindell's video is he tells not shows. Now, what I mean by that is he's showing on the screens like, okay, in Arizona, there's this many people who were deceased and voted, this many underage voters, this many illegal voters. Like, I see all that data, but how do I know if those act numbers are accurate? I'm not saying they're wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying the viewer can't know one way or the other, just looking at a chart, just looking at some data in an Excel spreadsheet, whether or not it's accurate or truthful. So there's no way to, the idea here is if you're going to show this to somebody who definitely does not believe there was any fraud, people who would say this was the freest and fairest election ever in the history of the planet. If those kinds of people would watch this video, they're probably not going to be convinced at the end of the day. Now, having said that, I thought it was very compelling when he spoke to that last guest, that lady, I can't remember her name, uh, on by phone. And she showed this, this spreadsheet with all the IP servers uh, that had connected back to America and to, these, uh, and to these voting machines. That was very compelling. I think people should take a very close look at that. Also, they, he had video of the, the, the Dominion voting. I, I think he was the CEO. I mean, the, the, the guy who works for, runs Dominion. Actually, on video, saying that these machines connect to the internet. <laughs> like, there you go. Uh, so that, that, that was very compelling. Uh, and then, of course, there was that Allied Security report out of that Michigan lawsuit, which we reported on. We actually read from that during our What's Concerning Us section. What was that? Back in December, uh, we talked about that report. And how uh, the Dominion machines, according to the Allied Security uh, forensic study of those un- of those uh, voting machines, actually did uh, were set up to perpetuate fraud. But here's the other thing that I think Mike Lindell's video did not do. He talked about the different buckets. You have shenanigans that go on at voting stations, at voting poll stations, right? You have shenanigans that go on with cybersecurity. You got uh, shenanigans that go on here or there. The one thing he didn't do 
was he didn't connect all of these things into a sort of an argument that says, uh, you know, person X worked with person uh, Z, Y, W, and Q to perpetuate fraud. Like, he didn't connect those dots. He didn't show that all of these characters were working together to bring about this result. It looked like there was just a bunch of people doing their own thing, and they're not really connected to each other. So the video doesn't really address that. Well, I think that one thing might be, here's a couple defenses of uh, of the video. Um, one, I think possibly they it was not a connection between the people that were doing it. It was just a bunch of independent people all striving to the same thing without a coordinated effort uh, between all of them to work together. It was just a lot of individuals attacking at the same time, which still proves the point. Uh, and then the other point that I wanted to make was um, a lot of people, uh, have, like for instance, when you said that it wouldn't convince people who are like, no, there's absolutely no voter fraud whatsoever. Well, I mean, to be fair, I, there are people who are so pro-abortion that you can show them the baby like fighting for their lives in the womb when an ultrasound being sucked up by a DNC abortion and people still rejected and they're yeah. like no it's still not a person uh so not, most a lot of people they just they they will reject whatever and, evidence and we've you give reached them. a point where people are saying it is a person but it's still uh subject to the mother the mother chooses whether or not the person lives right and so even still still here uh to make the analogy uh people you can show them video evidence of joe biden himself saying uh i rigged this election and publicly and people will still say no that's not true uh, so I, I just wanted to say, at least they give them to give that because I mean there is a burden of proof where it's just like too high to reach um, for, from anybody. There's only so much proof out there. I don't disagree with you, but I guess my point ultimately is I, I I mean I think if I were Mike Lindell and I had all this resources to be able to pull all this stuff together and do what Rudy, Rudy Giuliani couldn't pull off, what Lynn Wood couldn't pull off, what the uh, the Kraken lawyer couldn't pull off, you know what Donald Trump himself could not pull off. You know, uh, then, I mean, he could afford to get people to really look at this, all of these pieces, and present them in a in a way that would be at least more compelling or easier to understand fast. Get to the get to the heart of the matter quicker. He seemed to ramble a lot. He, he does things that I do, and that's why I guess I'm critiquing him because I saw myself in Mike Lindell a lot. I'm not a very smart guy. I interview smart people though, right? Um, and I really feel like it's, it's yet to be done where they take all this evidence, because I truly believe, in fact, there was. And I thought that was interesting today. Uh, Dr. Alan Keyes referred to Joe, uh, President uh, Joe Biden as alleged the alleged. <laughs> I found that amusing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on a separate note, I did want to bring up, um, in regards to the scripture passage today, mm-hmm. Emily brought up during the first hour how the connection between that and tradition um, that we refer to in today, like the higher authority versus a lower authority. And uh, we talked a lot about this with uh, Michael Lofton whenever he was on the show. And um, I've been reading a book. Coincidentally, this wraps up a lot of things this today. One, in the first hour, we talked about tradition. The second hour during the game show, we talked about apologetics. And I'm reading the book, The Apologia for tradition <laughs> and so I, I think it'll be an interesting thing to talk about in the after show someday uh, but it's very interesting to look at how the different traditions that we see in scripture have uh, different weights of tradition so and we see that today with the the bishops today are good analogies of the Pharisees so our Lord speak directly to the Pharisees why because they were the people of authority and they were the people who uh who they had a lot of power and those were the his bishops those were the the priest the priest of his church and so 
whenever he talks to the, to the Pharisees, he talks directly. And so they have the traditions that is handed on to the Pharisees that pass through to the Jewish people of that day. And the same thing is true today. We see the bishops have the traditions of the church that are passed down today, but then sometimes they add things to it that are not let's say kosher like for instance like uh, the seamless german garment. bishops like the german bishops yeah yeah so if you want to talk about that yeah so the german bishops um are are trying to push they they've beca- they've written a synod document essentially that is p- trying to push for the ordination of women and trying to give women the ability to veto bishops in germany and have like a say they're trying to uh, advocate for electing pastors to parishes which is not in line with our long-standing Catholic tradition. And so it's a break. It's a rupture. And um, it's that's literally what the Protestant Reformation did was to rupture. And we need tradition because tradition pre-existed Scripture. Of course, as a Catholic faith, we stand on Scripture, tradition, and magisterium. But we have to remember that tradition came first. Tra- tradition formed the Bible. The Bible was compiled under Pope Damasus in like the 4th century. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, one other thing that made me think of the the married uh, priest, uh, Slippery Slope, uh, is that the – have you ever heard of the Old Catholic Church, which is a group that is uh, – that split from the, from the church after Vatican I? So after Vatican I, they split from the church because they thought that they were going away from the teaching of the church by declaring papal infallibility. And now today – they actually have ordained women in their church. So they they split from the church for not being traditional enough. And then because they no longer had the magisterium of the church, they no longer, they broke from tradition, broke from the under the uh, the apostolic line, even though they still have apostolic succession, they have now allowed women to be priests in their church. So I think that's very interesting. Or or the founder of Catholics for Choice, of course, the, the pro-choice, um, pro-abortion group that is not in line with the church. I th- the founder of that movement declared herself pope. And so when you... <laughs> I did not know that. What? Yes. And so... Like um, Pope Jane the Second, or... Yeah. Like what, what, what title you mean did Joan? you take? Jo- is it Joan? Her name is literally Joan. Her name is, is literally Jane? Joan. Oh, my gosh. Joan. No Joan There the was second. a couple founders. I'm not sure if it was her. But yeah, when you break your, away from tradition, yeah. then that gives you the liberty to be your own pope, in a sense. Well, Benedict XVI called it the tyranny of, rel- uh, tyranny of relativism. You know, the... and. Uh, uh, John Spaulding, Bishop of Maryland in the late 19th century, he talked about uh, in his book, The Church of Liberty and the Culture, talked about how the end result to Protestantism is a, a complete rupture, uh, a rupture in society, a rupture in faith, a complete rupture. And the first chapter of that book is like a hammer blow to the, the state of affairs in our country at, the, at his time with the, the party of the know-nothings persecuting the Catholic Church. I mean, the Archbishop in New York had to threaten the mayor of New York because if those know-nothings dared touch one single parish in the city, that they would come, the men would come out and uh, burn down the town hall. I mean, it was it's pretty amazing. Uh, so that was uh, the uh, John Spaulding, and this is why Benedict Sixteenth also makes this point when we when we start to step away from uh the truth and truth is a person it's jesus christ well we begin to uh, rationalize and relativize our choices and they might start small 
But ultimately, they don't end well, and it, we can see the end is in agnosticism, atheism, uh, anti-God. We can see the LGBTQ gender ideology that's at play now. And, the, and as uh, we talked about with Dr. Alan Keyes, this lust for power, this wanting total control over – and this is why I think it was fascinating. We talked about Michael Lindell's video. Where's all the talk about this Time article, uh, uh, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election, that saved the 2020 election? This is not my words. This is Time magazine uh, saying this. Molly Ball uh, wrote this article for Time magazine. We linked to it. I'm pretty sure. I think it's on the, the Facebook side. We linked to it. But if you go to Time magazine, time.com, you'll find it for yourself as well. And she talks about how... Uh, Trump actually is right when he claimed in December on a video that there was all this collusion, coordinated effort behind the scenes to make sure he lost the election. She's like, he's right. Of course, she says, and this is, I'm going to direct quote this article. It says, a second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempt to reverse the results. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December the 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. She goes on to say, in a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of the informal alliance between the left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive, sometimes destructive, you gotta love that, sometimes destructive racial justice protests in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. You gotta okay. read this for yourself. Real quick, before we go off air, we have about two minutes uh, I want to read some comments before we finish. Oh, yeah. So Chris uh, says on Facebook, uh, apparently I have brain frog as well. <laughs> I forgot to put good morning. LOL. Uh, Lisa, uh, Lisa says blessings. Uh, Lucia said completely agree with your analysis, Joe. Jesus Robles says agree, Adrian. Uh, Jesus says deep state is too powerful. Obama and Biden were about to be completely exposed. It was all hands on deck. Look at the attorney in charge with investigating Hunter Biden appointed by Biden. This guy worked with Hunter Biden's defense attorney. So that's, uh, those are the comments there. Let's check over. Was that ever resolved? The Hunter Biden laptop no, thing? No, no, no. And wow. it was confirmed by reports this week. I saw, I never mentioned them because I didn't think it was that all that important at this point. But, uh, he apparently still has a stake in that Chinese capital investment firm. Hmm. So not much has changed. Wow. Now I guess he's got more opportunities than he ever had before because <laughs> his dad's the leader of the free world. That's fun. Great. There you go. All right, that's <laughs> going to do it for today's uh, Catholic Drive Time. Tomorrow, Trent Horn will be our guest. Uh, praise God, we're going to have a conversation with him about the counterfeit Christ, how Jesus gets hijacked, you know, even by the LGBTQ community. 
Talked a little bit about that yesterday with Mark Houck from the Kingsmen, but Trent Horn is our guest tomorrow. So a whole new lineup uh, tomorrow on the show. We're hoping you'll be a part of that. Do us a favor. Spread the word about Catholic Drive Time. Help us build our audience wherever social platforms that you engage in. Make sure to share our videos. We're posting to Rumble. We're also posting on YouTube, on GRN, and on Catholic Drive Time side, Facebook. You can find all the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, Catholic Drive Time. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
video that was on his website. Well, last night I watched the rest of it. Uh, and I and in the after show, what the answers are. But here's what's concerning me that's related to that. Also from LifeSide News, we'll link to these stories as we your text uh, to the to the number 42828 so text this to four to that end we were contemplating things that we might do here as a team to uh to do something special for the holy season of lent and so we we've got a couple things that we are planning to do and we're going to communicate a former ambassador to the united nations and our president Ronald emails maybe once a week or something uh from us. throughout human history have been forms of government that grew out of the power of certain people, usually in some military form because they beat you on the battlefield or are otherwise able to overcome you through terrorizing you uh, and otherwise using their power. Uh, or there could be people who have amassed wealth and controlled you because they were the only source uh, of jobs and uh, income that lets you support your family and things of this kind. There was always that elitist quality. Uh, America was founded on the premise that every human being has rights that come from God and that governments aren't based